Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. Um, super excited about today. If you know, for the last really three, four weeks, we have been talking about uh, our belief in God and how we can grow our belief in God. Uh, as I've been preaching, I didn't preach last week, uh, Pastor Rico brought a dynamic word on, on pain and, and how God um, just moves us and leverages our pain for his purposes and his glory. And so I want to thank you for, for standing in the gap. While, while he was preaching, I was uh, laying on the beach in Hawaii uh, with my wife. Um, it was, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, my, my kids were not there. Amen, somebody. Uh, they were at home with uh, grandparents, and so I'm grateful for my grandparents and sisters who were able to stand in the gap, but uh, was able to watch the message from last week and was truly blessed by it, so thank you. And so today I want to continue with where we left off a few weeks ago. If you know that for the last two, three weeks, I've been kind of walking us through uh, Old Testament scriptures. We've been in the book of Exodus. We've talked about how uh, the children of Israel failed to enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. Because of their what? Because of their unbelief that God delivered them from Egyptian bondage, but God wanted them to have faith in order to, and, and courage in order to go into the promised land, but they just wouldn't believe. And so God sent them into the wilderness for 40 years. We also talked about uh, this idea that when they came out of Egypt and they were on the banks of the Red Sea and the army of Pharaoh was behind them and the Red Sea was in front of them, that they panicked and they weren't sure what God was going to do when they started crying out. And they said to themselves, we would rather die in Egypt than to die here in the wilderness because they had failed to remember the promise of God, that God was going to actually deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh and deliver them from Egypt. And so two weeks ago, we talked uh, really about how whenever you're trying to follow God, you will experience problems from, from your past, Things that have happened or things that have, that have ha happened to you in the past will come up and really try to prevent you from experiencing what God is trying to lead you to in the future. Uh, and we've all been there before. We've all experienced that. If you missed that message, I want to encourage you to go back and, and to watch it on, on YouTube or on Facebook. Today, I want us to go to the book of Joshua in chapter 6. Because now the children of Israel have crossed over the Red Sea. They've spent the time walking around the wilderness. And now they are on the brink of entering into the promised land. And I think that there are some promises and some instructions for us as we look at Joshua in chapter 6. I'm going to read it for you. And this is from the New uh, Living Translation. Joshua chapter 6. The Word of God says, and we're reading verses 1 through 5. The Word of God says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for how long? Are y'all with me? Verse 3, once a day for how long? For six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. How many times? Seven times with the priests blowing the, blowing the horns. Verse 5, when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the, walls will, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people, the people can charge straight into the town. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So the reason why I want us to stop by this verse today, this passage today particularly, is because I feel I am on a personal crusade a personal crusade to help you and myself, my family, your family, to help us truly believe the promises of God. I, something has happened to me over the last 
maybe two, three months, maybe when I was on sabbatical, I just started reading the word in a different light, in a different understanding, and just really came to a keen sense of awareness that more than anything, God really desires us to believe him. To, to really take him at his word, to believe that his promises are true. We, we established already in Hebrews 11 in verse 6, you all know what that says? So, so faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, of things not seen. For without it, it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is, meaning that God exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so there's this idea that Paul or the author of Hebrews is really trying to convey to us. And that is simply that to really experience the fullness of God, we have to not only believe in the existence of God, but we also have to believe in the activity of God. Say activity. Now, most of us are really good at believing in the activity of God in here, but many of us struggle when it comes to believing the activity of God in here, in our own life. We can read the word of God and we can see and experience that, yeah, God did some great things back then and God showed up back then and God led them by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day back then. God parted the Red Sea. God saved Noah and his family in an ark. God saved Daniel from the lion's den. Well, we'll read in the word that God shut the mouths of the lions and quenched the fire that the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. We'll read back then how God raised Lazarus from the dead and he fed the fire thousand and he healed the woman with the issue of blood and he cleansed the leper and he did all of these miraculous things back then. We believe in God's activity here, but we struggle with God's activity here. And I just feel that God has placed me on a personal crusade that we no longer just read the word of God as stories of things that have happened in the past, but that we read the word of God with an understanding that this is an example of what God wants to do today. Oh, the light said amen. The walls said amen. That what God did here, he also wants to do here, that God is able, that God has healed people in the past and God is still in the healing business today, that God was able to reconcile relationships in the past and God still desires to reconcile relationships here, that this is not just something that happened many, many years ago, but that it is something that God still wants to do today. That's why I love how Romans in chapter 15 and verse four says it in the, in the NIV version. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Y'all missing it. Put that back up there for me, Keith. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. If you're living a life today without hope that God can restore, without hope that God can rebuild, without hope that God can re bring revival and bring refreshing and bring restoration to your family, to your home, to your life, to your finances, to your physical, mental, spiritual health, if you're living in a place today where you have lost hope, I want to suggest maybe it's because you have distanced yourself too far from the scriptures. And you view the scriptures as simply stories of God's activity in the past, but your life is not aligned. Your life is not experiencing that, 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 that you don't understand. You fail to understand that, 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 that everything we read here is simply so that we can believe that what God did it here, God also wants to do it here. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, God still wants to do it? Just tell them, God still wants to do it. Just put it in the chat. You're watching online. God still wants to do it. And the reality is, is that God is still doing it. 
I mean, you might not see it present in your life, but trust me, all around this world, people are experiencing the, the power of God. People are experiencing the refreshing overflow of God's presence and God's peace, comforting and, and, and carrying them through the difficult difficulties of life. And so, so, so my burden for us today and for the next couple weeks is for us to move from a place of pass, spiritual passivity and to really activate our faith so that when we come to God, we come to God not just with an awareness that there is a God, but with a keen awareness also that God wants to move in our life. Is there an area in your life where you want to see God move? Can I see your hand? Is there an area? Can you think of an, a, a situation? Uh, 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 maybe it's a, uh, a family member, a child, uh, a situation at your job, at home, and your finances, your health, where you want to see God move? Well, I just want to tell you. That if you desire God to move, God desires to move. If you desire, if you're saying, God, I want you to, I want you to show up in my marriage. God, I, I got some kids who I don't know what's going to happen or what direction they're going. God, I desire you to show up. I desire you to move. God's saying, listen, as, as much as you want it, I want it all the more. That we, we don't serve a God that you have to convince him or try to persuade him or prod him to be engaged or active in your life. He wants to do it. That is, I don't want to say his existence, but that's why he's here. He wants to show himself strong in your life. If you're with me, let me hear you say amen. Okay, so when it comes to following God, God is calling us, listen, follow me, trust me, believe me. But inevitably, when you follow God, you will experience problems that arise from your past. We talked about that two weeks ago. And today, I want us to really focus on that when you follow God, you will also experience obstacles to your future. You will experience barriers. You will experience challenges. And so that's where we find ourselves in the text today, uh, Joshua chapter 6. Now, just to give you some context, even though I, I feel like I have already have given you context, context, Children of Israel just spent 40 years. How long? 40 years walking around the wilderness. Now, now, now that, is, that is like, I have a hard time fathoming that because I just, this last Tuesday, I just turned 41, right? Just had a birthday. And, and, and when I think about turning 41 and the fact that the children of Israel spent 40 years walking around the wilderness, to me, it, Paula, it, 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 I struggle with it. It blows my mind because... I've accomplished a lot in my 41 years of life, right? I mean, sure, I went to 12 years of school, amen, somebody, graduated, uh, went to four years of uh, bachelor's school, right? Went to uh, two years of seminary, got my MDiv, went to another two years of uh, graduate school, got my MBA, um, went to another two years of school, I know, pray for me, uh, got my master's of, uh, of, of psychology, um, uh, an organizational behavior, um, had pastored um, one, two, three, four, five, five, maybe six churches over, over my 40, 40 years, have gotten married, praise the Lord, highlight of my life, have had three children that are beautiful and crazy all at the same time um, in, that, in that time period, have had a lot of great and exciting experiences over the last 41 years of my life. And so to think that out of all the things I've been able to accomplish and experiences I've had and relationships I've developed and people I've met and friendships I've, I've been able to really lean into and, and the marriage and the children and all of that, to think that while I was doing all of that for the last 40, 41 years, the children of Israel were walking around the wilderness for 40 years. You must imagine that one, that they were born in Egyptian captivity they were, after their first birthday, they came out of Egyptian captivity. They found themselves on the edge of the promised land, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, and their parents didn't believe. Their parents were part of the 10 spies that rebelled against God, Mashila. And so because of their parents' decision, now these one-year-olds and two-year-olds have spent the next 40 years in the wilderness. And now they're at that point where they are now grown. They're 41, 42, 43 years old. Their parents have passed away. And now they are in the exact same position that their parents were 40 years ago. And we know that to be true because the Bible tells us that the entire generation that came out of Egypt, that was like under, I think it's like even under 20 or something, that that entire generation died in the wilderness. And so here they are. Moses, at this point, Joshua 6, Moses has passed away, which is significant because Moses was the greatest leader that has ever lived, leading the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has passed away, and Joshua has now been promoted uh, 
Joshua was Moses' assistant. It wasn't just random. But through that 40 years, Joshua was the one who was sitting at Moses' feet, and God was leading and teaching Joshua through Moses. And so now Joshua and the children of Israel stand at the very same spot that they stood 40 years prior. And verse 1 of Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2 say, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho its king and its, its warrior, its king and all its strong warriors. Now, whenever you read the scriptures, uh, something that you want to do is you want to look for some tension. You want to look for there, where is there some friction in the text? What's going on? Where do you see some, some, some conflict? And as I'm reading uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the conflict just, just Brittany, it just jumps out at, to me from the pages. And I love, I love verse 1 and 2. Because in verses 1 and 2, you see that there are two perspectives that are being shared. Joshua chapter 6, are y'all with me? There are two perspectives, Miss Jerry, that are being shared in Joshua chapter 6. On one hand, you have the human perspective, Rico. In verse 1, you have the human perspective. The human perspective says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. That's the human perspective. Joshua comes to Jericho. They just crossed the Jordan River. They look into Jericho and they realize that the gates are shut. That is the human perspective. But you also have, in that same passage, verses 1 and 2, you also have a spiritual perspective. The spiritual perspective says, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. In two verses, you have attention. What man sees... And what God says, y'all going to get it. Just, just, just lean in, just lean in. What man sees and what God says. Jericho fundamentally represents the place of promise. It was their last stop before they entered into the promised land. This was the place where they had gone before where they saw giants in the land. They saw all types of foolishness of giants and people walking around and they viewed themselves as grasshoppers. And they were so afraid and so fearful that they said, we can't go in because they're too big. Jericho represents that stronghold where God says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to allow you to accomplish it, to conquer it. And then you will go into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But, but from their human perspective, Jasmine, the gates of the promised land were closed. And as I was wrestling with this text this week, it, it's interesting because the, the scripture, it, it almost implies that Joshua knows why the gates were closed. It says the gates were closed because the people were afraid of the Israelites. So Joshua understands the human dynamic that's taking place. He's like, listen, okay, God has promised us this land, but this land is not going to be given to us without us engaging and being active and demonstrating faith. There's something that we must do in order to experience the promise of God. Let me just stop right there for a moment. There's something that you must do in order to experience the promise of God in your life. Unfortunately, God's promises don't always just come to us hand delivered by the mailman or woman. But there's something you must do. You must be active. You must be engaged. And so Joshua comes to the gates and he realizes the gates are closed, but Joshua really isn't phased by the fact that the gates are closed because Joshua says, you know what? We've been here. We've done this before. And in fact, you know what? I got a little, I got a little secret to tell you, Joshua. Joshua's like, listen, I know that they're closed because the people in the gates are afraid of us. Now, how do we know that? How do we know, how does Joshua know that the gates were closed because the people were afraid? Well, if you read the first couple chapters of Joshua, he'll tell you. In fact, in Joshua chapter chapter 2, Joshua says, uh, I'm going to send out some spies. Now, what 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 happened last time they sent out spies? Someone tell me. What happened last time they sent out spies? Ten spies came back. What did those ten spies say? We can't do it. Two spies came back. Who were those two spies? Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we can do it. Y'all remember that? Ten spies came back, said, we can't do it. Two spies came back and said, God has given us this land. Let's go forward. 
Joshua chapter two, look what Joshua says in Joshua chapter two. He says, then Joshua secretly sent out how many spies? Two spies. It's almost like Joshua learned a lesson. (laughs) Joshua says, last time we sent 12 of y'all jokers and 10 of y'all came back with a negative report. So I don't don't need 12 to go this time. I just need two to go. Uh, Joshua learned over the last 40 years of walking around the wilderness that a word will be established with two or three witnesses. Joshua said, I don't need 12. I just need the minimum. I need two of y'all to go. So Joshua secretly sent out two spies and they go out and they spy out the land. And then in verse 23 and 24, these two spies come back. And I want to read to you what they say. Then the two spies came down from from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord, this is what they say, the Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. So Joshua chapter 6 knows, verse 1, knows that the people inside of, the, inside of Jericho are afraid of us because I sent two spies to tell me what was going on. And those two spies came back and said, listen, they're, they're afraid of us. They see us coming. They hear our songs. They, hear, they see our, 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 our size. They've shut the gates because they don't want nothing to do with us. It's interesting to me. Because Joshua knows that the people are afraid, but yet at the same time, verse 1 of chapter 6 tells us that the gates were still closed. Human perspective. That when you think about the promise of God, no. When you think about your life, from a human perspective, you will see the challenges When you think about your life, from a human perspective, you will see the difficulty, the sadness, the setbacks, the grief, the frustrations, the anxiety. From a human perspective, you will see all of the opposition and all of the obstacles that you have to engage in and try to overcome in order to experience the promise of God for your life. You will see the opposition. For many of us, many of us as Christians live our life in verse one. Many of us as as believers of God, we live our life in verse one, where we are keenly aware of the obstacles and the frustration and the opposition. And For some of us, for some reason, while we are living our life in verse one, we never progress to verse two. We never progress to verse two where we are then able to see a spiritual perspective. You see, verse one says that the gates were shut and tightly sealed because the people are afraid. But verse two says, but the Lord said... It's almost like verse one and verse two are are juxtaposed. It's like, okay, yeah, the gates are closed, but the Lord said. Yeah, you're, you're struggling in your finances, but the Lord said. You're struggling in your marriage, but the Lord said. You're uncertain of your next career path that you should take, but the Lord said. Your, your boss is, is tripping and getting on your nerves, but the Lord said. Your husband or your wife is has lost her mind, but the Lord said. And for many of us, For some reason, we are unable to cross over and to really bridge the gap between what we're currently experiencing and what the Lord said. We stay stuck in verse 1, and we never fully get to verse 2. My burden for us is that as believers that we have the ability to move past verse one living and stepping into verse two living. See, see, I'm not suggesting that we should, be, we should deny ourselves of what's happening in verse one. No, I'm not suggesting that we should bury our head in the sand and ignore the frustration, ignore the pain, ignore the difficulty, ignore the challenges of our life, ignore the obstacles that are in front of us. I'm not saying that we, that we, that we kind of have a, uh, a, a, like a, a hear no evil, see no evil, you know, speak no evil type of orientation where we're not aware of anything that's happening. No, we're not to be ostriches bearing our head in the sand. 
So we should be aware of our situation and aware of the challenges. We know that the gates are firmly shut and sealed tight, but we don't stay in verse one. We're aware of what's going on and we acknowledge what's going on, but we quickly move to verse two where we're able to say, yeah, I I see what's happening here, but the Lord said. Because in verse two is where we gain perspective on what's really happening in verse one. In your life today, are you able to say with confidence when you look at whatever you're going through, whatever your challenge, whatever your situation, are you able to say, but the Lord said. And if you can't say, but the Lord said, I want to encourage you to get into your prayer closet and do not leave until you have heard a word from the Lord concerning your situation. If you're with me, let me hear you say amen. Amen. Because fundamentally in the church of God today, we have too many carnal Christians. Christians who believe in the existence of God, but they have not fully appropriated the activity of God to their life. And so now we, we make decisions and we move around and we make financial decisions and professional decisions and family decisions based purely on our logic, based purely on our experience, based on our feelings, based on the, you know, touching the the, the wind and the political pressures or the political wind of the day, rather than saying, no, 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 I see what's going on, but I have a word from the Lord. And I know that concerning this situation, this is what the Lord said to me. For all of us, no matter how bad it might look or the situation might feel, if you're a Christian, if you claim the blood of Jesus Christ over your life, if you surrender to him and you've accepted him as your savior, you have to be able to live your life from a place that is confident in what is God's word for you today. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're just going through the motions of this Christian journey, never truly being able to fully experience the power and the perspective of God on your life. So don't just settle for the gates of my life are tightly shut, but also fight for clarity surrounding what has the Lord said to you about those gates. Now, when you think about verses one and verses two, some of us may be of the impression that verse two is an alternative to verse one, where we say verse one says the gates are shut, but the Lord will deliver. Verse one says that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going through a tough time right now, but trouble won't last always. Uh, verse one says, um, um, I feel like I'm losing my mind, uh, but God will keep me. And, and we feel like verse one and verse two are in direct opposition to each other as alternatives. But if you look closely at the text, The text doesn't suggest that verse two is an escape from verse one. See, many of us want to run to the Lord so that we can escape our problems, so that we can escape the frustration, we can escape the difficulty, we can escape the the pain. And if if I just come close to God, then somehow God will take all this pain from me. That he'll, that he'll somehow take all of this, this frustration and this difficulty from me. But if you've been a Christian long enough and you've been a serious Christian who's been walking with the Lord, you'll quickly realize that just because you come to God doesn't mean that your life is free from pain. Do I have a witness in the house? It doesn't mean that your life is free from pain. Verse 2 is not an escape from verse 1. Verse 2 is almost like an explanation of verse 1. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 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 Let me see. Let me see if I can make this super clear. Um, Verse two isn't a fantasy. See, verse two says, but the Lord has said, but the Lord has said, but the Lord has said, I have given you this town. I have given you uh, Jericho, its kings and all of its spiritual warriors. But verse two is not a fantasy. Verse two is actually reframing what's happening in verse one. So it's almost like Joshua comes to verse one and he says, man, I see Jericho and the Jericho is shut up and it's it's tightly closed and there's gates around it and I'm gonna have to do something to overcome these gates. I see what's happening. And then he says, but I heard the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord has basically told me why I'm experiencing what I'm going through in verse one. Okay, y'all are with me. So let me try to, let me try to break it, break it down for you. Uh, um, Have have you ever experienced some, some, some setback in your life? Right? I think all of us, if you're honest with yourself, 
have experienced a disappointment or a setback in our life. And a lot of times we will view texts like the, 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 the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are saved. And we feel as though God is an escape from the problems of life. But, but I feel like what this text is really trying to teach us is that God doesn't position himself as an escape from the problems of life, but God positions himself as an explanation to the problems of life. So that what you're going through, God is saying, I'm not necessarily going to always deliver you from the pain of the moment. But when you have my spiritual perspective, you will understand the pain of the moment. So, so Paul cries out in Corinthians, he says, God, I got this thorn in the flesh and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would deliver me from this thorn in the flesh. And eventually God says, Paul, stop praying, right? Because my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then I am what? Strong. So it's almost as if God is saying to Paul, Paul, I know you want me to deliver you from this thorn, but I'm not going to deliver you from this thorn. I'm going to help you understand and explain to you why you are experiencing this thorn. And when you are operating under spiritual perspective, say spiritual perspective, when you are operating under spiritual perspective, it's not like life is easier or you don't have difficulty, but it's almost as if because I understand that, 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 that my battle is not with flesh and blood, but there's another hand, there's another dynamic, there's something else going on. It gives me a fortitude. It gives me a, 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 a determination. It gives me the, the courage and the strength to endure even further under the weight of this present affliction that I'm going through. Because now I understand that truly all things work together for good. I wish the text said, um, God delivers us all from bad to good. But it doesn't say God delivers us from bad to good. It says all things work together for good. Almost as if the author is trying to communicate to us that God will take the frustrations and the difficulty and the challenges of life and God will weave them together for good, for our prosperity, for our abundance, for our, for our peace, for our, for our pleasure, for his glory. And so when you look at Joshua chapter one, where Joshua comes to the Jericho and he sees the walls are tightly closed. I want to encourage you that whatever your Jericho is, that you not stay in verse one where you are aware of the difficulty of the situation, but you quickly move to verse two and say, yeah, I see the walls, I see the gates, but what has the Lord said about this situation? And for Joshua, the Lord said, see, I have given you this city. Now, what's crazy to me is that God is saying something to Joshua in the present tense about something that has going to happen in the future tense, but he's referring to it in the past tense. He, he's saying, see, see, Joshua, I have past tense given you this city already. Even though Joshua is on the outside of the city and he hasn't taken the city, he hasn't received the city, God has already saying to him, see Joshua, I have already given you this city. Okay, okay, so let me try to help you understand this and understand something fundamentally about God is that when it comes to your growth in God, are y'all with me? Say Amen. When it comes to your growth in God, when it comes to your maturity in God, when it comes to you progressing closer and closer into God's will, something you fundamentally have to understand, say fundamentally, something you fundamentally have to understand about God is that God does not operate from a place of what is. God doesn't operate from a place of what is. God operates from a place of what can be. So when you come to God 
with your prayers and your problems and your difficulties and your frustrations, you have to understand that the promise of God for your life is not based off of what you're currently going through, but the promise of God for your life is based off of what God sees you can experience and achieve in him by faith. So when God comes to Joshua, Joshua is on the outside of the gates. Where is he? Outside of the gates. And God comes to Joshua and God's like, hey, Joshua, my friend, what's up, brother? How you doing? And Joshua's like, God, the gates, you see the gates there? He's like, ah, I've already given you the city. And I can imagine in Joshua's mind, if he was I and, he, and I was him, that Joshua, or at least I would say, what do you mean you've given me the city? I'm, I'm outside, they're inside, they're living in my home, they're sleeping in my bed, right? Uh, uh, they're eating my food. What do you mean they've given, you've given me the city? And God's like, ah, those little walls, don't worry about that, right? Just know I have given you the city. That my promise for your life is already done. Say already done. It's already completed. It's almost as if God is just trying to wait for us to catch up with his promise. Okay, okay, okay. Um, um, so I prayed, I prayed, God, listen, you know, long, many years ago, you know, God knew my desire. I wanted to get my doctorate. God knew my desire. I wanted to have a family. And, and, I, and I believe that in my spirit, God was, was confirming things in me and he, he allowed me. I'll never forget. I was sitting in my doctoral program one day, Rico, uh, just a few years ago, and I was stressed out. I had just taken a statistic test and I knew, have, you all know uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, wait, A, B, C, D, E. What's the next letter? F, right. Y'all know what F is in school? Anybody, anybody got an F? Don't raise your hand. You can witness me. Anybody got an F before? I knew there was a, a big fat F on the top of my statistics test. I knew. And I was trying to get into the program, so I couldn't afford to get any Fs. And I was so worried. I drove home, and I was just, I was mad at myself, and I was mad at God. And I was like, God, how, you know, I studied, and I did this, and I did that. How was it that, how was it that you let me get an F? Have you ever prayed those prayers? Uh, Brother Morgan, how was it that you allowed me to, to fail this statistics test? And the whole way home, I was fuming and fussing. And I got home, and listen, I praise God for a godly wife. Because I started fussing to her. And she was like, uh, did God tell you that you were going to get into the program? I was like, I don't want to hear that right now. Have you ever been in your mess before and someone tried to give you a spiritual perspective? You don't want, to, you don't want that perspective. You just want to stay in your mess? Yeah, I was like, listen, you're not helping. I, I don't want that right now. She's like, no, no, no. Did God tell you he was going to get you the program? I was like, okay, yeah. So, so, so why then are you worried about the grade that you got? If God told you he was going to get you in the program, then just do your best and trust God for the rest. If, 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 you, see, if you know someone who's going through that situation, don't say that to them. <laughs> it's not going to make them feel better. It's just going to frustrate them. Right, right. I, I, I'm being real with you. So I was like, yeah, I get it. I know. But, but still, I didn't want to just barely get into the program. I wanted to, to walk on water into the program. But she was like, listen, if God had promised you that you're going to get in, just do your best and trust God for the rest. I was operating from a very human perspective, which said, God, I see the test, my test score. God, I see the gates are closed. God, I don't know how I'm going to experience what I feel like you promised me to experience. But God was reminding me through my wife, who sometimes her name is Holly, but I feel like it should be called Holy, that, that, that God was reminding me through her that if God has established you in a certain direction, trust that our God is able to complete what he begins in you. That even though you might experience bumps in the road, you have to trust that God does not dictate or design your life based off of where you are or the frustration of the moment. God designs your life based off of what can be. What can be. So God looks at Abraham tells us, tells us in Romans chapter four, I love how the message version says it. Romans chapter four, he says, we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. 
that God did not scan the earth and say, let me find the best, the brightest, the smartest, the fastest, the fittest. No. God said, give me the least, the last, the lazy, the leftover, the marginalized. Give me those who have gone through the most. Give me those who have suffered the most. Give me those who have gone through the most pain. If you give me those, watch what I do. He says, he says in the text, God made something out of Abraham who was nobody. Isn't that what we always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father of many people. Abraham, look at this. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life. What a word with a word, make something out of nothing. Make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but what God said he would do. So, 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 stay with me. So, so living from a spiritual perspective does not leave you making decisions based on what is, but it leaves you making decisions based off of what God said will be. So the question is, do you know the promise of God for your life? Hold on, hold on, brother. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Do you know the promise of God for your life? So, 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 so Abraham, so excuse me, so Joshua comes to Jericho, sees the gates, hears the promise of God, and when he hears the promise of God come to him, he, he, God says, listen, see, I've already given it to you, even though there's gates, even though they're shut up, even though you're on the outside, I've already given you this city, and so, so, so Joshua knew in that moment, my position in life is clearly ordained by God. Now, I want this to be very clear, because Joshua is not special and unique, that if God has ordained Joshua for a specific purpose, Joshua just serves an example, again, that if God did it for him, he can also do it for us, which means that as God ordained Joshua for a specific purpose, God has also ordained you for a specific purpose. That you're not just random, going through life, going through the motions, eating, drinking, sleeping, getting married, having kids, and then repeating. No, 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 no. That your life is more than that. But that God has ordained, say ordained. He has ordained you for a specific purpose. And when you understand the purpose that God has ordained you for, then you know that in the face of obstacles, Victor, they will not stand because God's purposes will always prevail. Say always. Say it like you mean it. Always. It will always prevail. What God says will happen will happen. I don't care what your mama said, and I love your mama. I don't care what your daddy said. I respect your daddy. I don't care what your teacher said, what the doctor said. If God said it, that's what matters. The problem is we have a hard time fundamentally hearing from God. Not because God is not talking, but because we ain't listening. We ain't. We listen. We ain't listening. We ain't listening, y'all. And God's talking, and God's talking, and God's talking, and we ain't listening. We Netflixing and chilling. Listen, don't get, me, don't get me started. Listen, we're doing everything else, but we ain't listening. And God says, if you don't listen, then you'll see the obstacles, and the obstacles will look bigger than my purpose for your life. So Joshua hears the word of God, and Joshua's like, okay, you've given it to us. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Verse 3, God says, you and your fighting men march around the town once for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of you with the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, march around it seven times, and the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give a one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people will change, and the people will charge straight into the town. So God says, listen, I've already given to you. The city is ordained. It's yours. It's in your hands. So now I just want you to do what I tell you to do. 
You don't have to fight for it. Just march around it. Now, this marching around Jericho, while God may not be calling you to physically march around your neighborhood or your house or your children, like you, children might think you're crazy, you move their bed in the middle of the room and every night you're just walking around. <laughs> you walking around. Why God has may not called you to physically march around something, God is calling us when you believe the promise of God to pray around that thing and to circle your situation, circle the, 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 the frustration, the, the, the decision that you have to make, the, 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 the conflict, the, the pain. You circle it in prayer and you keep praying. You keep praying. You keep praying. Something I want you to understand about God first thing I said is that God doesn't treat us based off of what is. He treats us based off of what can be. Principle number one. Principle number two that I want you to understand about God is that while, while progress is inevitable, progress is not immediate. Okay. Let me say it again. Hold on, hold on, bro. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. While progress is inevitable, what does that mean? It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. While progress is inevitable, when you follow God, progress is not always immediate. In fact, not even, it's not just always, it ain't ever. Let's just be honest. Progress ain't ever immediate, which means you will have to find yourself praying for something, believing in something when it seems like there is no progress. That's why we stop praying. Because we pray once, maybe twice. If you're real holy, you'll pray three times. But if it doesn't happen by that third time, we say to ourselves, you ever said this? It must not be God's will. Oh, let me come get you. Y'all been real quiet all day. It must not be God's will. And we are so quick to change the plans and the purpose. Oh, I'm so glad that Joshua didn't march around Jericho one time, right? And then march around Jericho a second time. And then march around Jericho that third time. And once he got around Jericho that third time, he said, man... Uh, y'all see any br bricks moving? You see any rubble falling? You see any, you see any mortar coming down? You see any, uh, any, any, you felt earthquake at all? Any, anything shifting? No, no. Maybe we got the wrong city. M maybe this is, maybe, maybe this isn't what God said. You and I, that's what we do. That's what we do. We'll say to ourselves, because it hasn't happened after a few times for me praying for it, well, it must not be God's will. And we stop praying. But the principle of the text that God is trying to communicate to us right now here today is that whatever the promise is of God for your life, never stop praying. Keep marching and marching and marching and walking and praying around the promise of God. That's why he says in Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. In the Greek, he's really trying to help us to understand that word ask and seek and knock isn't just a one-time ask or a one-time seek or a one-time knock. What, 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 what Matthew is trying to communicate to us in Matthew 7 verse 7, he says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And as you keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, the door will inevitably and eventually be open. When it comes to experiencing the promise of God for your life, you must, number one, know the promise of God. And then you must have a pit bull mentality. What's a pit bull mentality? <laughs> Come on now up in here. <laughs> you are. Y'all didn't think I was going to do that, huh? You are, 
a dog on a bone. You are relentless. You are obstinate. You are determined. You, you, you almost look crazy because you still praying for that thing? You still, you still believe in that thing? You still think God's going to do that after how many months, how many years? But it's a, I won't let you go, God, until you bless me. I won't let you go till you bless me. For many of us, we come to the gates of our life and we hear the voice of God say, march. And we start marching and nothing happens. You know what we do? Some of us, we either, number one, we stop praying. That's half of us. The other half of us, we start, Rico, we start marching in frustration. This dang old God marching. <laughs> we stop in our feet, right? We frustrated. We upset. Why I got to march? Why, God, this don't make no sense, God. Why, you know, why can't you do it? And we march in frustration as opposed to marching in faith. Where now we are, we're frustrated that God hasn't moved. We're frustrated that we're still in this situation. We're frustrated that the walls haven't come down, that the bricks are still in place. We're frustrated that, that, that our predicament hasn't gotten any better. I'm still in this job. My husband's still crazy. My kids still get on my last nerve. I still don't got no money to bank. God, I'm frustrated. And frustrated marchers eventually stop marching. Or... God forbid, they come up in the church and they make everybody else frustrated. And you spread your frustration all over the place. Here she come again. Now no, here he come again. Always complaining. Frustrated as opposed to marching in faith, knowing it hasn't happened yet, but it will. That God will move, that God will move, that God will move. I believe it. It, doesn't, it might take a day, it might take a week, it might take a month, it might take years. But I am believing the promise of God. I am believing, hear me, hear me. I am believing that the activity of God is still relevant and still pertinent and still available in my life today. And so I will march in faith, Amen. believing What if, what if your marching is not for you? See, we, 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 we're very selfish. And I don't mean selfish in a bad way, but I mean just we're selfish in a good way. We're very selfish when it comes to God's activity in our life. Like I, I want to experience the blessings. I want to experience. But what if, what if everything that God wants to do in your life really has nothing to do with you, but God is saying, listen, your marching is for your children. Your marching is a foundation that, that you might not ever experience it in your life, but, but your children, will their life will be built on the foundation that you laid for them. I, I couldn't help but think about David and Solomon, uh, uh, how David had a desire to build the temple and to see God's glory restored. And, and, and at David, David's age, God came to David and said, David, I can't, I can't do it through you, David, but I'll do it through your son. I'll do it through your children. I will restore my glory through those who come after you. And David realized that, that because of my life, my life is serving as a foundation for the activity of God in my children's life. And they will experience the glory and the power and the purposes of God because they saw the foundation that I laid for them. That when we march, we march from a place of understanding that God sees the whole picture and that our, our ability to experience the activity of God is based solely on us being relentless in pursuing the purpose and the plans of God for our life. So Joshua marched, and he kept marching, and he kept marching in faith. And as God had said, it didn't happen immediately but it happened eventually and the walls came down and Joshua went in and took the city. Ugh, wrong word. Joshua went in 
and he received what God had already given him. My desire for you is that you would receive what God has already given you. And that there is, from when God says something to when you experience it, a lot of times in life, there is a time delay. Have you ever gone into one of those uh, grocery stores, liquor stores, corner stores, gas stations, and there'll be a sign that's on the back wall or on the, on the glass case that says, uh, this safe is on time delay. Have you ever seen that before? Y'all act like y'all never been in a liquor store before. Uh, a gas station, a gas station, <laughs> a corner store, what, call it what you want, right? Uh, but you'll see on the, on the sign, a lot of times they'll say, uh, the safe on site can only be opened at a certain time, meaning that if you come up in here and try to rob us and make the right time, there's no way you can get into the safe because the safe only opens at a certain time. What I believe is that for many of us, the plan of God for our life is similarly on a time delay. That while God has deposited all of his heavenly treasures and purposes into our life, we don't fully experience some of them. The heavens are not open and we are not experiencing them because God is waiting for our life and our faith to align with what he's already doing and saying in our life. And when the two line up, immediately heaven's storehouse is opened and you will receive uh, all of the blessings and all of the purpose and all of the things that God has promised for you. But it's on time delay. If you don't have faith, and patience and a relentless spirit to wait on God, you will leave empty-handed. And, and I'm not talking about salvation, y'all. I'm talking about destiny, purpose, fulfillment in this life and in the life to come. That you will leave empty-handed because God says, there's so much more I want to do through you and in you and for you and to you in this life. But you've got to walk by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to walk by faith. You can play for me now. You can play now. You can play. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So, so what do we do with this? Are you living in verse one or verse two? That's the question. Are you living in verse one, Joshua six, verse one, where you see the difficulty and the obstacles, or are you living in verse two, where you know what the Lord has said? If you're in verse one, it's okay. What I want you to do today, when you go home, tonight, before you go to sleep, is I want you to take a piece of paper or your phone and I want you to write down all of your verse one obstacles. Write it down. Where are you in life? Where are you spiritually? Where are you mentally? Where are you emotionally? Where are you physically? Where are you um, financially? Where are you relationally? Write down the, 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 from a human perspective everything that's going on in your life. So that if someone were to find that piece of paper and they read it, they would have a very clear awareness and a clean sense of who you are and what you're going through. Write everything down. On, on one side, I want you to write it down. And then on the other side, for every bullet point that you listed about your life, I want you to identify the promise of God for your life. So, so currently I got X amount of dollars in the bank and I got X amount of debt. What is the promise of God for me concerning my finances? Currently, my marriage is on a scale of one to 10. We're at a five, you know, it's, it's okay. It could be better, it could be worse. You know, it's not honeymoon, but it's not divorce court. So I don't know, we're kind of stuck in the middle there. What is the promise of God for your marriage? Currently, physically, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I don't eat as healthy as I should, but this is what's going on. What is the promise of God for your physical life? And if you have a hard time articulating the promise of God, and I'm not just, I'm not just telling you to pull up one of those promise books that got all the promises of listed and start pulling stuff out. What I'm saying is I want you to identify the promise of God as you go into your prayer closet. 
So you go into your prayer closet and you seek the face of God. God, this is what's going on in my life. God, I want to hear a word from you. What are you saying about my children? What are you saying about my professional career? What are you saying about my purpose, my destiny, God? What are you saying about, about the gifts that you've given me? What are you saying about this, the situation I'm facing in my family with my parents and my, my siblings? God, what are you saying? And I want you to hear from God. The best thing, y'all, you can do for yourself is to learn the voice of God for yourself. What is God saying to you? Not what is God saying to you through me. What is God saying to you? As believers, we have to cultivate an ear so that we can know, I don't know everything, but I know this is what God told me about this situation. And so I am going to hold on to God's promise for my life concerning this situation. And I, I, God, I won't let it go until you bless me. Revelation tells us that of those who are saved, it says that these are they that follow the lamb wherever the lamb goes. That they have an awareness of what the voice of God sounds like. And they recognize that the Spirit of God is speaking to me. And, and for you, if you feel like, man, I've never heard God's voice. I, don't, I, don't, I can't tell the difference between God's voice and my conscience. Like, is it God speaking or is it my conscience speaking? That is a real dilemma. That's a real challenge. I've been there. And oftentimes, sometimes I am still there. Like, is that God or is that me? But you take that back to your prayer closet. You don't, you don't allow that difficulty or that conflict to keep you saying, well, I'm just going to stop praying because I, I don't know. No, you keep praying. You keep circling. You keep marching. To the, you get to the point where you can say, God, I'm not sure if this is you. God, I, I need confirmation now. Send me confirmation. So you can send it through the word. You can send it through a friend. You can send it through, through a, 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 a billboard. God, send confirmation that this is, in fact, you speaking to me. Saints of God, my burden, my prayer is that we hear the voice of God. Because if we can't hear it, then we will live out our Christian life either from a place of complacency or frustration and not from a place of faith. So covenant, covenant with me and covenant with yourself that you will go home today, tomorrow, this week, and you will sit down in a quiet place, shut the phone off in a quiet place, maybe in your car, in the garage, doesn't matter where it is, going to walk around your neighborhood in a quiet place, and you will say, God, I want to learn your voice and discover your promise for my life. And as God reveals it to you, know that the promise of God is inevitable, but it is not always immediate. How many believe the word of God today? Father in heaven, we thank you for the example you gave us through Joshua who experienced the reality of the gates being closed but was also in tune with your voice and heard you say that the city was his and that he was obedient to the promise and he marched and marched and even though nothing happened and nothing moved, he kept marching and he kept marching. We thank you for that example today where you speak to us through your word and you tell us, keep marching, keep walking, keep praying, keep seeking. And if we are diligent, we will hear and we will see and experience your promise for our life. Father, I pray for your people that we would cultivate a sensitivity to your spirit, that we would develop an awareness of your presence, that we would be able to discern your voice from our own voice, <laughs> that we would know this is spirit, this is Seth. <laughs> this is spirit, this is self. <laughs> 
that we would be able to discern when you are speaking, that we would feel it in our spirit, in our heart, rising up within us, and that we would know this is what the Lord has said, and we will walk in it. Father, my prayer is for that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, that person here today who is conflicted. They haven't fully accepted you. They haven't fully surrendered to you. But they feel you already speaking to them and calling them into relationship. Maybe there's some pain from their past that has been a, 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 a weight around their ankle and they feel like they can't really truly fully live because of the pain from their past. God, ah, may your peace overwhelm them and may your peace break the shackles of pain and allow them to be free indeed. There are some who are encountering obstacles that they don't know how to overcome. God, would you speak to them? Would you guide them? Would you take them by the hand? And would you walk gently with them into your word, into your promise? So that when you come again, we will look up and we will hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful. And that if for some reason we, we are laid to rest on this side of glory, that when you come, we would hear your voice from the grave <laughs> saying, come forth. And we will come out brand new in Christ Jesus. So Father, we, this is our prayer. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen and amen.